This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit life, eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Holy wisdom, holy word. As we continue the series on being vitally connected, we run into this familiar story of a rich man asking Jesus how to become closer to God. The book of Mark has served us well this year, and today we take this easy lesson about a rich man. He simply comes to Jesus, asks about inheriting eternal life. He's a cake, right? It's a simple question from a man who has seemingly done all the right things. He follows the Ten Commandments. He has worked hard and become a rich man in a society where wealth was a sign of blessing. He's done all the right things, lived well, done well by his family, provided for them, lives a blessed life, and yet here he is kneeling before Jesus. A position which usually signifies a desire to be healed. A position of submission, of begging, of yearning. 
I don't know about you, but I've been on my knees before Jesus, asking for healing, asking for answers. And inevitably, the answer, the healing, is not exactly what I hoped for. In fact, don't we often come away from hearing, really hearing God's answer to our questions, grieving just a little bit like the man in today's gospel? We kneel before God, asking questions not unlike the question today. And when we hear the answer, the answer is often the hard thing, the difficult thing. And even when it isn't hard, or at least not as hard as not following the answer we're given, we are often left grieving because to get to what God wants for us and from us, we often have to give up something that we have, something that we want, something that we cherish. So often sermons on this passage just speak about money. But I think that's a cheap way out. Because money isn't the only thing that we put between ourselves and God. We put so many more things than money between us and God. We put wealth of all earthly kinds between us and truly acting as the Christians that we say we are. Last week, Suzanne Ripple shared with us their experiences from the Why Christian Conference and how the topic was meant to help people examine why we call ourselves Christians. What is it about the beauty of the love of Christ that calls us to live lives dedicated to following Christ? Today we're going to hit the question from a different angle. When we call ourselves Christians, how do we continue to be good to our claim of being Christian? Michael Harder, in his book, Hearts on Fire, Praying with the Jesuits, in a section titled Examination of Conscience, reflects on this question. How do things stand between me and God? Where am I coming from, and where in my life is Christ growing? Now, Hearts on Fire is a book of prayers And so Michael shares about how he goes about examining those questions and finding an answer for himself. He says, in summary, I take time to thank God for the gifts and good things that came into this day. Then I beg for more gifts, specifically the ability to see clearly and in hope that he can use the gifts he's been given to the glory of God. Then he says, I then examine carefully what my actions, omissions, thoughts, desires tell me about my relationship with God and with myself and others in God. And sometimes a single event will stand out. I lost my temper badly or I felt great joy at a good piece of news. I resisted making a decision someone asked me to make or I spent much too long on a time of time on a simple task. Did my actions embody love of God or fear and mistrust? And then he goes on after a careful examination of his day, of the gifts received, the mistakes he's made, and he turns to God in prayer, saying to God what he needs to say 
and listens for God to surprise him and console him with faith and hope. This isn't so different from our gospel lesson today. A person comes before God with clear knowledge of the blessings that he has received, having examined the abundance of his life and asks, how can I be closer to God? And an answer is given. And he, like we, in his joy at his earthly blessings, is saddened to hear Jesus say that what he's worked at so hard now may be the very thing that stands between him and a closer relationship with Jesus. Now, I hope you heard this part in Jesus' response, because we don't really look at this, examine it, talk about it. But I think that there's two pieces in here that can shed a different light on the answer this man received. So here's what I hope you heard. Jesus doesn't scoff at this man. Jesus sees him, really sees him, gives the man his full attention. And Jesus loves him. Mark says Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Now the man knew something was missing. Otherwise, why would he be there asking the question? And when we kneel before God, do we already know what thing we have put between us and God? One thing Jesus says already loving him, already seeing him, one thing. I don't know about you, but I think I might be happy on any given day to hear God say that there's only one thing standing between me and God. When we go to God, pray to Jesus to illuminate for us the thing that stands out, the thing that stands between us and God, do we already know? Is that why we asked? I mean, it could be anything. It could be one of the seven biggies. So here they are. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, pride, any of those things. Or it could be a more passive sin. Wealth, ego, an addiction, prestige, fame, poverty, sports, our children. We are an incredibly creative people because that's how God created us. God gave us the gift of being like God. And sometimes we sure can put our gifts to poor use. And we rarely want to acknowledge our own issues. So much easier to look at someone else's life and go, that's their problem and that's their issue. And sometimes it's easier to lose ourselves at the feet of someone else's idol. Jesus understood this man. He understood that this man knew what he should do at some level. He already knew the answer before he came to see Jesus. But like us, he was hoping beyond hope that Jesus would point out something different. Would say, you got this, you're fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's the answer we want, isn't it? The truth is, that happens, but more often the answer is the answer that we don't want to have to do. We can get all caught up in our answer to life, And the answers are rarely easy. That doesn't mean that the answers are impossible or bad for us. 
God doesn't want us to be unhappy and knows that the path to heaven is really easier than what we make it out to be. In Amos this morning, we heard, Seek the Lord and live. I like that. And then follows the word or. It's like a big but in the middle of a good answer. And this is when we blame God for when things, when bad things happen to good people or who forget to listen to God. Or the fire that breaks out is anguish, pain, hurt, inner turmoil, war, and we feel it. Those around us can often feel it. And sometimes we live in this place, in that broken place for so long that we break. We begin to justify doing the wrong things for the right reasons, actually the right, the wrong things for the wrong reasons, which really just makes it all worse. Seek the Lord and live. Jesus said the same thing to the rich man. Instead of having pride in his blessings, Jesus says, share them. Move the thing out of your way so that your joy will be complete. When we don't do this, when we neglect Jesus, when we love, when we have love for something that is of this world, we don't find the heavenly place that we seek. It's too easy to look at today's passage as simply about monetary wealth and how rich people cannot get into heaven. It's not true. But I wonder if that isn't a cheap answer. There is so much more in Mark today. The man came seeking Jesus and answers. Jesus loved the man. Jesus answered the man. The disciples were a bit confused, and Jesus used a metaphor. You know, the one about a camel going through the eye of a needle. But to neglect that Jesus already loves us, that we're already forgiven, that this might not say that what we think it says. It could leave us empty still, seeking an answer still, or too ready to accept a cheaper answer. I mean, how many of you have ever tried to thread a needle? If you haven't tried, you could try out in the narthex today. So needles haven't changed much throughout time. I mean, one thing that was the same then is the same now, right? Tiny cylindrical object, teeny little hole at the end, and you have a tiny little thread, and it's supposed to go through the teeny little hole. And the first time you try it, the harder you try, the harder you try, the worse it gets. Because the end of the thread starts to fray. And it just gets bigger and bigger. And now you're trying to, you're trying to put this even bigger thing through this tiny little hole in this needle. And it gets frustrating. But if you ask someone who's threaded a needle before how they do it, they might tell you. Lick the end of the thread. Makes it easier. Go right through the hole. But it takes practice. And so when you practice threading a needle, it, like most things we practice, gets, gets easier. By the way, don't lick the thread in the narthex. <laughs> Ick. And when you ask for help from someone and they show you, and then you practice and you master the art of threading that needle, just like practicing anything, it gets easier. When we practice loving when we practice honesty, when we practice following Jesus, it becomes easier and easier, second nature. 
Amos says, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil and love good. And establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. We know that the Lord God has been gracious to the remnants, us, of Joseph. Seek good, hate evil, and love good. Establish justice. Jesus looks at us and loves us. Asks that we do the right thing, that we don't take the easy way out. Tells us to look at the thing we have put between us and God and shove it out of the way. And it will not always be easy. And sometimes we're going to get it wrong. The truth is, when things are in the way between us and God, we know when something's wrong. We know when life feels a little bit hinky and we have not loved one another as God asks us to love. We are uneasy when we don't have, when we don't know, and when we know we haven't asked all the questions haven't really examined our day, as Michael Harder suggests, when we don't ask the questions, did my actions embody love of God or fear and mistrust? When we get it right, we might grieve a little at losing what we thought was important. But if we get it wrong, and we will because we are broken human beings, we will grieve more and potentially hurt others in the process. Hate evil and love good. Practice threading the needle with the love for God, and it will get easier and easier to move what stands between us and God out of the way. Jesus loves us. It is our choice to get things out of the way so that we can be vitally connected and love Jesus as he wants us to love him. Amen.